Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Fortress, a podcast all about <laughs> Slaves to Armok 2 Dwarf Fortress. I'm your host, Eurist, and tonight I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello. <laughs> this, this is Hi, very Peter. much... Don't, don't, threaten, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Some of our listeners got very excited there. Yeah, we have just been chatting about Dwarf Fortress before we started recording, but this is actually an Arkham Horror the Card Game podcast. Do you remember that game, Peter? Arkham Horror the Card Game. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been it's been. I I played a bit recently, uh, but it's just uh, I, I'm moving house in the next few days now, so it's been difficult to squeeze in a lot of it. Uh, but mm. luckily, the Scarlet Keys has been delayed over here, so I've not had to split. I have to split my loyalties between packing and playing Arkham. If the audio at Peter's end sounds a little bit different, normally he records in a beautiful wood-panelled library, but you've taken the books out of the library, torn the panelling off the walls, and the room is a bit more echoey. Is that right? Yes, all of the soft furnishings, all of the velvet curtains have been taken down. Sorry, I've had to... to The cats have stayed, though. (laughs) The cats are still here, yeah. Everyone will be glad to hear we still have cats. Yeah, and they're very keen to get on the recording. Yes, as always. Yeah, and, and, and how are things at your end? <laughs> things are good at my end, yeah. I've been busy travelling this weekend, but I'm also excited to just sit down and chat a bit of Arkham with you. It's been a long time. We had a very busy time coming into October, so we've had a bit of a breather and we're back again. Yeah, we, we, we did a real glut of kind of heavy content. We had the spoiler season and then that mm-hmm. shot straight into interview season. Yeah. So it's it was a... Hopefully, people enjoyed everything we did. I looked at some of the stats, and, and people are listening to it all. So, I hope that was all yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, it's been a bit of a well. I was sort of good because we got a lot of stuff done before we got really busy. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, that's kept people tidied over until now. I hope so as well. Yeah, and just speaking personally, it was such a weird experience to interview Maxine, and then three days later, she announced that she was no longer going to be lead designer of the game and I still had the episode to edit so it was quite weird listening back to that episode and trying to not trying to but just noticing all the different points at which she's left little cryptic hints and things like that which was very strange so yeah I think I was also a bit wiped after that mega interview that she generously gave us so I thought we'd just get back into the swing of things recording wise yeah and I'd really like to catch up with you about what you've been playing. For listeners who aren't in the UK, um, the Scarlet Keys campaign has been delayed. So it's at the time of recording, not yet here for either of us, I think. It's not It's not suddenly arrived at yours since I last It has not, no, no. Yeah. But it, it would also arrive at our new house. So it actually might have done. <laughs> so, so I've I'm been not, away not from been my back. home and you're not yet at your new home. Yeah, so it's possible right. <laughs> that Scarlet Keys is actually out in the UK and we're the two people who just don't know that. But I'm seeing it as a blessing. We've had all these new player cards to play with. We've still got loads of things we can play, different campaigns, things like that. So I thought we could just catch up with each other about what we have been playing, maybe with a bit of a focus on if we've played any Scarlet Keys stuff. Yeah. Some well, player I, cards. I, I've got some sort of not Scarlet Keys, but also some new stuff to talk about. And I've got Great. some Scarlet Keys direct stuff to talk about. And I think you've got Perfect. plenty of... You, you've played with all of the Scarlet Keys investigated by the sound of it. You're working your way through I have, them. I, I have been busily trying to throw myself into them, yeah. Yeah. Well, not 
I find it a bit daunting to do it that officially. So I sort of trick myself and say, oh, I don't know what to play. So I'll just do something like this. And I just sort of throw myself into something silly. So I did a stream for patrons just very briefly on Discord where I built a Vincent solo deck and just just played it for a couple of hours on a lunch break. And that was me trying Vincent. And I think I think I find that easier than saying I'm doing an eight-part campaign. This has got to be a really good deck. Just, yeah, more ephemeral. Where should we go first, Frank? I'm intrigued by all of the things you've mentioned. So maybe do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, end of November, I think. Yeah, end of November, some of the folks in Edinburgh ran a uh, Arkham Knight-style event. I mean, a mm-hmm. nice event. It was at Red Dice Games in Edinburgh. Uh, there was a couple of the patrons there. There was also some <laughs> some some incredible deck builders. So mm-hmm. uh, is it Val? And start with the name. Oh, great. Valentin. Sorry, I think is the, uh, okay, is, is the cool, username yeah. on on uh, on Arkham DB. And start with the name. And Amazing. there was a member of uh, Archivos there as well. Wow! So cool. it was one of those like if if a meteor had hit it hit red dice games, it would have wiped out a good chunk of the content creators. Wow! Okay. Uh, oh, and and how can I forget? Um, there was uh, at least one great old ones gaming person there as well. <gasps> wow! Okay. So yeah, big target for meteorite. Should that's right. Yeah. An angry great old one want to destroy Arkham producing content? Yeah. yeah. So there was there was plenty of Arkham played. I think most of the tables were playing uh, War of the Outer Dogs, which is a fan spin on War of the Outer Gods. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. An excuse for several of the authors to cram in as many cat and dog puns as they as they possibly can. But uh, my table played Fortune and Folly, which is the new standalone that's been announced okay. to come out next year. I, I can't remember whose copy it was. It will start with the name's copy. But uh, Igwitz from Archivos had ordered several copies of the... Uh, of the scenario, um, and I think quite a few people got in on the order. So yeah, we, we we managed to play that. It's great. It's a two part scenario, cool, and it fits into the Scarlet Keys campaign. Mm-hmm. So there are certain elements of it which say if you are playing the Scarlet Keys campaign, blah 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 blah. blah. So it has additional narrative significance if you're playing it as part of that. However, it's a great campaign. It, it's I think it's maybe my favorite standalone. I've only played it once. But I think it's shot up That's my list great. of favorite standalones to be to be my favorite. It's did I say it's like a two part scenario? You said it was two part, yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't think I'm spoiling it much by saying it's it's like a heist scenario. Mm-hmm. I think that was in the announcement article. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And some of the mechanics. So there's a mechanic whereby uh, encounter cards have a playing card symbol on them. Mm, yes, yeah, I remember this in the article. So, so some of the encounter cards and some of the the locations have effects which rely upon that. Mm. So you know, reveal certain number of cards, and if you get this this poker hand, then this happens. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into it, but that that's a fantastic mechanic. It works so well. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Would would have been when you see a scenario do a sort of game within a game or a different thing that's not classic Arkham, there's always, I have that flutter of concern of will it feel like Arkham? The be- It's the best implementation of that kind of thing we've had in Arkham. Wow. And and the Great. way the, the playing cards are integrated into that, I think is really, really good. Great. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. And, and the two scenarios, the first one is kind of a setup scenario. So you're sort of casing the joint 
and the second one is the heist going down and it really nails the feeling of uh, of like the setup and then you know you arrive back with the knowledge and then you're into the back rooms and you're you know you're infiltrating the back rooms of the casino so going on a heist you were playing let me guess peter who are our good heisters finn edwards obviously heisty man schizo tool kaimani jones preston sinclair no none of them were in the team wow i've since built a preston deck these are actually preston would be pretty good in there for various reasons preston would be quite good in that scenario but no i was playing a holy chef (laughs) as you do (laughs) yes who do you need to bring along on a on a heist the holy chef chef. yeah the chef just a chef so oh god i think back who was on the team now so it was it was um you had a patrice Yes, it was Patrice, it was Daryl, it was Zoe, and it was Silas. Wow. Interesting heist crew. A very interesting heist crew. Very good blessed crew, though. Ooh, okay. So we had, th- <laughs> we had three copies of Ancient Covenant and one copy of Sacred Covenant. And then I had Nephthys in my deck and like, Blessing of Isis. So it was like... Um, Okay, I'll go and draw a token. There's ten. There's ten blessed tokens in the bag because we had eight copies of Keep Faith on the table. <laughs> um, so, the, and and then also I had net this as well. So I was putting tokens back in the bag and 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 sealing them to use them again. <laughs> so it'd be like, oh, I'll take a test. I've drawn a blessed token. Well, we'll stop there. And also, I'll put this blessed token back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've just passed. <laughs> wow. Okay. So there's a lot of that going around. That's the kind of the the potential of Ancient Covenant Bless is that, yeah, the bag is suddenly really good to you rather than quite bad to you. Yeah. And you just power through that way. But yeah. to actually turbocharge it and have three Ancient Covenants around the table. Wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I don't want to spoil much because the, the it's a really joyous scenario to play. It, it is it's quite, the second part is quite long. So I would set aside a good kind of six-hour slot to do both parts of the scenario so you're not rushed. I think okay. we... It was between four and five hours it took us in the end. But we were we were hustling a bit because mm. we knew it was long. Obviously, that was with a four-person four party. And the first play can be slower because you want to read all the flavour and really kind of immerse yourself in it, I suppose. Yeah, potentially. I would still say it runs on the long side. Okay. But I'm not, not criticism at all. I mean, it's it's, it's really, really good fun. But just just bear in mind, it, it'd be a long session to do them both. It's not dissimilar from The House Always Wins, mm, in that mm-hmm. you're you're in a sort of civilised place, at least initially. Yes. But the, the, the scenario gives you, like, it's like the classic heist film, where you'll have, like, the, the, the roles of the people in the heist. Mm-hmm. You know, we need, we, need, <laughs> we need two greasers and a, and a Marty Robbins... I can't remember. We watched Watch Ocean's Eleven a week ago. They 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 run through who they need in the crew to make up the eleven. Yes, yeah. But, but there's certain mechanics in play that let that you act like that. Um, so I was worried. I brought a, a specialist fighty character, and having mm. read the setups instructions, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to actually fight anything. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a trick that that gets around that, which is which is uh, very satisfying. Okay, well, that's really good. Yeah, that would be my concern as well. It's similar slightly to House Always Wins. When House Always Wins begins, you have everyone like, right, I'm ready to investigate, I'm ready to fight. And then you realise, hang on, I need to actually spend my hard-earned cards and resources on gambling or drinking or that sort of thing. And it's all a bit topsy-turvy. 
So having a way that you can still feel like you're meaningfully investigating, interacting with the scenario, maybe that is investigating, would be really useful. What's very fun is that both Preston, with all of his money, and mm. uh, Gloria, able to, to look into the briefly into the future. The, yeah. the, they both work in a way that is very satisfyingly thematic, <laughs> along with the scenario. Okay, cool. So Gloria to... can basically cheat at cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without one this far, I do think, yes, she can. <laughs> wow, cool, cool. Oh, I love that. So yeah, it was that was it was good fun. It was um the blessed it, it it worked well. There was lots of bless in the bag and our various tricks let us pass a lot of tests. Very specific question here. You were running Nephthys. Yes. And Nephthys has that choice ability of returning bless to the bag or removing them from the bag to deal damage mm-hmm. in a kind of souped up beat cop way. It's two damage for three bless, I think. Yes. Did, did, did you use one ability more than another? What did you find you were using Nephthys still for? I was always using it for the damage. Okay. And generating enough bless to not mind doing that? Yes. Yes, 100%. I, it, it was usually every round or two that we could use user ability. And there's a lot of aloof enemies in that scenario as well. <laughs> so that really, really helped. It's fast as well, right? It's a fast ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, Zoe could just rock up in a scenario, Nephthys something engage something with one health, use the uh, um user cross to kill that as well. And oh, it's like I've moved into I've moved in and engaged something and I've killed two enemies. <laughs> um and so I tell you what is a good card is what's it called? Um Righteous Hunt. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. move up to two locations, engage an enemy? Add bless into the bag equal to their horror value. Horror? Yeah, is that I right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think right. it costs. Does it cost one or two? Costs one, and it's one XP. Oh, man, that was a great card. I mean, I played it without without even needing to put the bless in the bag. Like, <laughs> it, it, there was an you know an enemy that didn't didn't deal horror. Just I'll move twice and engage for one action. Move, move, engage. Yeah, that's great. And it, of course, in Zoe, then pays for itself because you get the money back for engaging the enemy. And if you're dealing with the loop enemies. You know, that you've saved an extra action. Yeah. And if you want to go yeah. so wild as to run wild riot whistle as well, <laughs> yeah. you can play that without spending an action. Or, well, play oh, it for your Oh, because it's action. an engage, yeah. It's an engage Maybe action, you're... yeah. Yeah, well, that's lovely. That's really nice. So, yeah, that Righteous Hunt, uh, fantastic card. Is the other one called Hand of Fate, is it? That's the kind of cancellation. The dodge. Yeah, the, yeah, the attack cancellation. Terrible. Never played it. Committed <laughs> it for its icons. <laughs> Uh, but never okay. had a good chance to actually play it. Right, so that one's three cost event, fast, play when an enemy attacks an investigator at your location, cancel it, and then you add bless equal to their damage and horror values. Yes. Is it's weird because it, it looks like it's somewhat similar to Righteous Hunt, but Righteous Hunt is packing so many actions into one cost, and Hand of Fate is just cancelling one attack. Yeah. I suppose potentially you're getting a lot of bless, but it sounds like your team didn't need that. No, absolutely not. Um, once we got going with the bless, we were we were away, mm-hmm. and it, you know, th- several members of the team could make use of it. Uh, Patrice was using Living Ink, for instance. Okay. And there's an upgrade on Living Ink, which means it triggers when. So Living Ink is you spend a token and you get plus one. You have to spend. You, you're forced to spend a token 
every turn and it gives mm-hmm. you plus one to one of your skills for the turn. Yeah. Yeah. You choose a skill when you buy Living Ink. But the one of the is it deceptive or deceiving something? Macabre depiction. Macabre depiction, that's it. I believe how that works. Um this is all from memory, so apologies if I yeah. get this wrong. Macabre... This is from memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. It gives you a token if you reveal a non numbered it gives yeah, you a power token. To reveal a chaos token, token with a symbol. There you go. Exhaust living ink, place one charge. Yeah. yeah. So that triggers off bless as well, which was really You nice don't even have to choose. name a symbol. It's just any symbols. Wow. Yeah, that's lovely. So she was boosting her willpower, I'm guessing. She was boosting whatever she needed to boost at the time. I can't remember what other cards she had ready to go. Uh, but that was Okay. Yeah, it was just it was just good. It was a, it's a good start boost. And flexible as well. Like with Patrice, you want that flex, don't you? But when you purchase Living Ink, you pick a skill. Oh, yes. Oh, do you? Right, it must have been more power then. Maybe she... I don't think she could have afforded to put in... No, she only had the macabre one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so it must have been Will that she was boosting. Sorry. Because to add another skill to it costs two or three XP. So you can do it two more times, but it would cost you five XP. I don't know that's worth it. Yeah. It gives you, like you were just saying, it gives you much more flexibility, but unless you can sustain how many charges are on Living Ink, it's flexibility at the cost of actually being focused. Yeah. So, yeah. Which reminds me, at some point we should do a customizable episode, but not now. No, no, <laughs> we not We need now. a bit more thinking and looking. Okay, sounds like it was really fun, is the headline. Yes, that scenario is fantastic. So absolutely watch out for that coming up. Um, be aware it's quite a long one. I'd also be aware it fits into the Scarlet Keys somewhere. I don't know where, but yeah. it sounds like there are some special rewards and some special perks for doing it as part of that campaign. And for people who are wondering how to get their hands on it, there were copies that came out at Arkham Knights in October, but then it is going on general release, and we've been told that that's in the UK in April. Yes. So yes, it's a wait, but it will come out at some point. And yeah. It, you can play it as a standalone in any campaign or add it to any campaign as a side scenario or play it as a standalone. Or if you do that in Scarlet Keys, it has a little extra boon, which is pretty cool. I suspect there might be a way to do a kind of, not directly comparable, but do a Depths of Yoth style. Hmm, how low can you go? How much, yeah. can, you, how much can you steal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think there might be a how much can you rinse the house for. Ooh, okay. challenge there. But I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Might need right. a little bit of thought to actually do something interesting. Mm-hmm. Could be an interesting thing to explore. Mm. I think the way <laughs> the way it works out how much you've stolen is how much cash you've got. So I think Preston could just win Ooh. that by walking in with all his money and then walking back out with it. Walking out again, yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. how much money I made. 90 resources. <laughs> And that would you'd be so happy with that because you have we have you on record saying the point of the game is to get yeah exactly the possible. more money you have the more better you've done yeah exactly right Frank let, let's for, let's yeah. jump jump on to you you've got a couple of two player campaigns going right mm, yeah yeah I have I think I've mentioned on the cast already my Daryl and Kaimani campaign mm-hmm. so I've been playing a difficulty zero Daryl through Edge of the Earth. And having a whale of the time. And the thing I've been enjoying the most in that is the makeshift trap. 
which reduces the difficulty to evade and fight enemies and has various other little perks that you can add to it. So that's been quite fun. But then the other thing is I finished a Charlie and Kaimani campaign recently and I was playing Guardian Survivor Charlie, Mm -hmm. but with a slew of Seeker allies, because why not? And my, my main role was sort of getting clues. So it's that weird thing with Charlie that you can say what factions you've taken, but then that doesn't actually necessarily link to what your job is because for Survivor, what I'm using there is a chance encounter to replay allies from my discard pile. And that's the sort of the really juicy thing in there. And I did I did actually try out some Shed of Light in that and Gumption, which is fun. I'm starting to come to the position with Charlie that, you know, I thought about Lucky and Charlie being useful, but Charlie seems to reach this point where his stats are just so high yeah, that you almost don't want anything in the deck, even rise to the occasion. If if you're at the point where your stats can go really high, that means you're also at the point where you have loads of allies. And yes. if you're at the point where you have loads of allies, then you don't care about damage and horror hitting you from the mythos. There right. might be one or two cards you want to pass, but normally part of the bonus of being able to get to high stats is that you can also choose to fail tests because you don't care. So yeah, it was like that was really fun to discover that. My playing partner at one point said he thought we should be playing on expert and he meant that mostly as a joke, but because I was consistently hitting these really high values with Charlie. It's like you said all the way back when we first discovered Charlie, that idea a little bit like Preston of once a turn he can get ludicrously high in terms of skill and i'm talking sort of you know an 11 or a 12 in skill value if you want to go there which isn't very efficient yeah i guess sort of confirming what we've already thought about maybe he could make really good use of momentum or succeed by x stuff if he wanted to oh that's interesting what what, what campaign was that sorry that was edge of the earth right okay so yeah again i thought you know had should be braced for getting through difficult treacheries, getting beaten up by the mythos. But I found that, you know, really didn't care about that. MVP, I would say, was Girish. News guard, news guard Girish. Yeah. Because, so Girish is a 3-3 soak, soaks for the whole team, and you can exhaust Girish for plus two to a test for you or for someone else. And if you succeed, Girish heals one. So you have this overflow for damage and horror and unlike many other Guardian allies where you want them to die to do something like Tetsuo or Brother Xavier, Girish instead just keeps refilling. So yeah, really useful. I could obviously give myself plus two as part of why I was getting high statted, but I could also give Kaimani plus two if Kaimani was using their evasion ability or some other ability. And Girish just kept soaking and kept healing and kept soaking. I think each t- game that I played Girish, Girish healed five, six, seven damage and horror combined, just steadily. You know, if you get a couple of points on it, then over the next two turns you heal it back, and it was yeah, really, really good. That's 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 awesome to hear. And and how was so that was with Kaimani, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. How did you find the enemy management with? just Kaimani and Charlie in the team. I suppose that the, the, the soak yeah. from Charlie helped. The soak did help. I noticed what we noticed when we played our Kaimani and Daryl 
sort of tester scenario, mm-hmm. which is that I think, and I've seen this when I played Daryl and Kaimani in another campaign that I just mentioned, you look at Kaimani, see the five agility and think, yeah, I'm golden. Mm-hmm. And then actually thinking about making sure you have enough boosts to really be able to use the ability is really useful. And in Edge of the Earth, to to land that... Um, so you want to evade an enemy and pass by at least their health to discard them. And yes. it's two actions to do that. Most enemies in Edge of the Earth start at a three health, three evade, or even the um, skittering nonsense, they're two health, but they're four evade. Yeah. So you're looking for a combined value of about six. And Kaimani doing that test is a seven. Yeah. Because you add yeah. your intellect. It's interesting when, when you start looking at enemies, you, you spot... Because basically the, the way to do it is to add the health and the agility together and treat that as a test you need to pass, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, you know, four health, two agility, six. Yeah. But you, you, you spot how much those totals are often around that kind of value. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we'll come on to this in a minute. So so the, the, the Kaimani I'm playing with in a different campaign has got uh, Delilah in their deck as well. Yeah. So there was like a a, a a terrifying enemy barreling towards us, and it gets like plus three health when it's evaded or something. A, a plus three fight when it's evaded. Oh right, okay. But but the agility is only one, so Kamani just evade and then Delilah, <laughs> then it just just takes it out like that. You, you look at those enemies in a totally different way, mm-hmm. um, and you realise how balanced the enemies are. I'm coming more around to the point of view that. Kaimani is great when you've also got like a an an, an elite killer because elite yes. enemies are like the bane of Kaimani's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're obviously not using Kaimani's ability to kill elites because it doesn't work on it. Yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> so if Kaimani is your enemy manager, they need specific enemy management solutions that will deal with elites. But yeah. also I think because using just their reaction ability to deal with enemies is action intensive you probably want quicker solutions as well so i've played opposite quite a few chuck fergus decks and in fact i did that as well you know one of the great advantages of that is turning a tactic fast to give you a pseudo extra action to start kind of trying to chew through the actions you need to get through and i think that's really important the other thing we noticed was the way that Kaimani was hitting the high stats was normally in a combination of a few different things. So maybe a plus two from Dirty Fighting, a plus two from Girish, maybe one icon committed to gently get their score up. Whereas my turns when I did test as Charlie was much more like, I'll exhaust these three allies for test one, I'm at a nine. I'll exhaust these two allies for, for you know, plus six, I'm at a, you know, whatever it is, a seven. Mm-hmm. And it was it was much more brute force for what I was doing, and much more um, a, a bit here, a bit there for Kaimani. They, they were still great. They still did really well. And they were doing as well things like backstab recursion. So again, you're wanting to pass by a certain amount to keep playing backstabs. Yeah. And yeah, things like that. Well, we kind of segued anyway there. So you've been playing opposite Kaimani. Do you want to yes. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we... we... Decided to take, just while we're waiting for the Scarlet Keys, we decided to take some of the, the, the Scarlet Keys investigators into the Path to Carcosa, which a friend of mine has, has not played. So we've oh. got Daryl, Kaimani, and Amina in there. 
mm-hmm. and uh, we absolutely demolished every single scenario. Wow. It's a tough one. We've, so we've just done Unspeakable Oath, and actually D- Daryl performed admirably there. So Daryl mm-hmm. effectively got all of the clues we needed and did, f- I think, all four of the tasks you need to do before you can escape. <laughs> wow. Yeah. While um, Kaimani and Amina just drowned in damage and horror and got slapped about by enemies. I mean, Daryl did punch quite a few enemies as well. There's some two fight enemies. He's just, okay, well, I'll reduce the difficulty to zero and then slap them. For one damage, yeah. Uh, one damage, <laughs> do it again. Another damage, there we go. So so Daryl's doing okay, but but yeah, I think that the, the team of Kaimani... Kaimani can get rid of the smaller enemies easily enough. Although it is action intensive to do that, mm-hmm. but the bigger enemies. So Amina theoretically is running more of a hybrid build, mm-hmm. and there's lots of moving parts to that to get it working properly. But I think her build is better at sort of fighting mid-range enemies, so mm. two and three health enemies. So three health mm-hmm. is great to kill with the the, the sickle, which is what she's using. Uh, same with oh, Dowsing yeah, Rod. Yeah. What, did I say? Did I say that right? Three health enemies. Yeah, three health for the sickle. Yeah, because yeah, you do two damage and then one damage clears the doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then with with Sinity, you can do the five health enemies. But anyway, so that's that. that that's fine. But there's not there's too much of an overlap between them, and there's not mm. like a you know a four fight or a five fight enemy turns up with you know four health. We don't really have a, a, a reliable way of killing that enemy, mm-hmm. and you know when you play uh, the Last King, you've just got a load of massive, <laughs> chunky, elite enemies all appearing that you've got to deal with quite quickly as you, as you mm-hmm. do the rest of the, the tasks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's been tough. That's where dedicated enemy manager really comes into its own when you've got, say, a Silas with four combat and four agility, who's a little bit Captain America. I can I can do this all day, or I can carry on all day long, or whatever the Captain America line is. I can do this all day, yeah. I can do this all day. I imagine Kaimani can sit there evading all day, but as soon as it starts to be- to become too much of an evasion tax, it then starts to become overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think having it would it would have always been better to maybe build Kaimani more towards a hybrid role with some cluing. To support Daryl, mm. and then also pick up a, a guardian, basically, or, mm. or a dedicated fighter. There was something when you said you were playing Kaimani, Amina, and Daryl. It just flashed through my head. This, I don't know why this crop came to mind. I was chatting to a good friend of the show a long time ago, but we were joking about how in some quarters of the community, people are very pro guardian and seeker, mm. and a less less hot on the weird factions in air quotes <laughs> of rogue mystic and survivor you know you've got your fighters you've got your cluers why would you waste time with the three bad factions and we we laugh about that a lot i hope that doesn't sound like i'm laughing at those people but because i can see that position but yeah they are the weirder factions the less yeah. and, and obviously it's all dependent on what your investigator does and how focused they are and everything else but that's what you've done you've made a team of the three three odd factions rather yeah. than as you say having a dedicated fighter that's very much I will get a high combat I will deal damage it's but then more tricksy I don't know what you would do in this set to do that 
like the 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 guardian is Carson. Yeah. And he, he doesn't have a high fight. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> you could maybe build... Yeah. We, we talked about doing like a fighting Vincent. And maybe that would have yeah. been a way to do it. To slip Vincent in there as well. With, I mean, able, able Vincent to deal only damage. has one more combat than Carson. Well, so. yeah, but he does... That that doesn't tell the full picture with Vincent, does no. it? I think you could no. build a, a fighting Vincent deck. Um, or certainly like a kind of off-fighter who's also able to do yeah. some healing, which is the other thing with desperate yeah. struggling. <laughs> desperate, for. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this set also has Runic X. And yeah. Runic X has a way of really spiking stats high if you want it to. So again, that's a sort of an answer for Carson. Charlie's probably not running it, but maybe he wants repeatable damage and can boost other ways. And also Vincent. There's like three different investigators in the box who all might look at the runic axe and think, oh, maybe I take this 5 XP weapon, potentially. There's some investigating. You've teed me up really nicely because I've also been playing a Carson and Trish Yes, I was going to ask. How's how's your your Carson doing? So yeah, I'm the spy's butler. It's what my wife is called. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) Jaya's deck is called the butler's spy. The roleplay theme is that Trish has, she's come from wealth, which makes sense is that she's roguish and she's come from wealth and she actually does have a butler and her butler does various odd jobs for her, but now is assisting her in one of her investigations, which is what we've been doing. So I've wanted to just start testing out Carson. We've talked a bit on the show about Carson and is he any good, I suppose, to put it bluntly. And one of the things that we wonder about is, is he any good in two player? Or does he really shine in three or four player where the flexibility of his ability really comes to the fore? So what we're basically doing is giving Trish a four action turn every turn. And what I've noticed is because I'm running safeguarding Carson, that means I also get a four action turn as long as Trish moves. Yeah. So we sort of balance out that way. And one of the things that we've been looking at is do you do things like, say, Old Book of Lore in Trish? where you wouldn't normally run something action-intensive like that. But if you're getting a regular spare action for your down action, doing something like filter draw is quite useful. It's not the only thing you'd want to do with it. You might just want to generally be better at the game having four actions. But yeah, yeah, we've been sort of toying with that. I'm running a more or less testless clues and testless damage. I'm doing guard dogs and hunter's armor Carson. And just doing damage by tanking and not trying to boost any of my stats and having a really good time. It is really weird to feel... It's really weird to come up against tests and think, oh, well, I'm probably not going to pass that. But then (laughs) to still feel like I'm contributing enough to not feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. Yeah. It's a little bit like if you're playing Calvin, but your stats never get better. Because that's how it feels to play Calvin when you start. You go, oh, well, I can't do that. No, there's no point in me trying to investigate. My stats are too low. So you have to go about finding ways of doing it that don't require you to get a certain number over the test threshold. Yeah. But the difference being that that is a temporary position for Calvin, whereas it feels, oh, you know, Preston is the same, actually. It feels permanent for, for Carson. And you have just been thinking yes. about playing Carson in a three-player group. So maybe this oh, yeah. sinks us nicely into any thoughts you want to share about Carson. Oh, God, that's putting me on the spot, Frank. This, was, this wasn't <laughs> on the list. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, like, I, I'm, I'm very open to, he's, he, he plays in such, my gut feeling, I've st- started this about four times now. Yeah. <laughs> you can edit yeah, all this out. This is, you know? this is good. This is golden. Yeah. My gut feel for Carson would be that he's good. You're going to sound so good, by the way, when that's edited. <laughs> and I'm going to say any Carson thoughts and you just go, my gut Boom, feel and just in. come in. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I always thought he would be good. I think he's good but unusual, I think, is, is how I sort mm-hmm. of mentally mm-hmm. categorised him. I think it's, some people have said things which have sort of backed me up on this. He does play in a weird way, but in, in, a, in a full table and you've got Carson. I think the thing I didn't anticipate at first, which a lot of people have said, is that his ability to, to manipulate turn order in a way mm-hmm. is, is really, really useful and not to be underestimated. Yes, and we find that is often the sticking point. Well, not the sticking point, the, the extra wrinkle in our planning is yeah. when does Carson give an action to Trish? Because I, because I can give an action to Trish first or last or anywhere between my actions. Sometimes it's like, well, I'll just take three actions because I'm just drawing up or I'm, I'm just doing some moving, whatever it is, and then I'll give you an action. But then there's other times where it's like, well, if I give you your action before I do any of those things what would the action that you take do and would it then change what I'm going to do and learning that nuance is just fantastic really you know say it's that I give the action to Trish and she moves which would pull me and that would reveal a new location and that might change what I then want to do because maybe the shroud is lower at the new location so with my flashlight and my look what I found I could get clues suddenly that changes up where I was thinking, oh, I can't really do anything. I'll just I'll just get some money. I'll just get some cards and, and build up. And all of that is in the mix as you're planning and making decisions, which is, yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I forgot to add, that campaign we're playing Cyclopean Foundations, which is a fan-made campaign that's online. <laughs> I was going to say it's on a well-known application that you can play Arkham on. You know, other other applications exist as well. So we're playing that together as a face check campaign. So I think I've been really craving that new content feeling, which obviously we're hoping for with the Scarlet Keys. So playing something else that's just new and in a way just saying, right, we just need to make good Arkham decisions, not based <laughs> on any knowledge we have of what's happening or where we need to be. I just need to look at, okay, I think we need to get to this location because... The scenario seems to be telling us that. And how can I contribute clues, contribute damage along the way and make sure it works? That yeah. I find really fun, actually. I'm not trying to metagame it, basically. Have you got any thoughts about what secondary class you want to pick for your Carson? I have no idea. I mean, I think it depends mm. on... Oh, did I think that there were some good um, survivor cards that I wanted? Mm-hmm. I honestly can't mm-hmm. remember now, but I think that that, that really Gumption. depends on the rest of the yeah. party. Yeah, I think that does. 100%. As well. Do you remember when Tony came out and we had quite a fun time? We talked with him, Stephen from. Of from course, Team we Covenant did. Yeah, yeah. About the different off classes, and at that point, almost settled on our five cards from each of his three secondary classes that just feel like they fit really nicely. So you know, in in Seeker, you might want you're working a hunch. Your inquiring mind, your shortcut, logical reasoning, because he only has five sanity. You just have a little suite. In Guardian, you might want to dodge. In Survivor, you might want to perseverance again for the low sanity. And I wonder if we'll start to settle on similar things for 
for Carson. He's also got low low health and sanity, low low vitality stats. Yeah. So you might want to look at a deny existence if you go mystic or a logical reasoning if you go seeker, that sort of thing. I really like it when you have a, a bit of a sense of what might fit in, even if it's not a hard and fast, you must run this card. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a lot of testless clues in Seeker now between working a hunch and, gosh, what's the one that's stirring up trouble that adds curses to the bag based on the shroud and gets you clues? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. And there's also that one that extensive research that reduces the cost based on the number of cards in your hand. So you could just run testless clues from Seeker, which is sort of a weird thing to say. Anywho, we've gone longer than I thought we would. Yeah, we have. <laughs> so, should we bring this to a close? I think so, yeah. I mean, we had more we could talk about, but but let's let's put a pin in it there, and, and we can when some other stuff is underway, we can return and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, this is all in... It's partly us getting back in the saddle, but it's also this idea of filling the time as we wait for the Scarlet Keys. Yeah, spinning our Happily. wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we hope you've enjoyed this episode, listener. It's good to be back. You can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and Patreon. Thank you so much to our patrons. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Twitter for the moment. Um, I'm on Reddit. I'm on Discord. I'm on Instagram as the.unitled. So yeah, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm on Twitter as FB, that's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. Who knows how long I'll still be on Twitter, but there we go. And I'm around the place as Zooey Glass and Zozo. Likewise, say hello. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Of the pleasures and pains of opium... Much has been written. The ecstasies and horrors of Akam Qualrus and the paradis artificiales of Caliv are preserved and interpreted with an art which makes them immortal, and the world knows well the beauty, the terror, and the mystery of those obscure realms into which the inspired dreamer is transported. All of them involved apparitions of exceedingly strange aspect and equipment. The commonest, and among the oldest, became quite famous in 1892 when a government marshal named Connor Roncaioli went into the mound region after horse thieves and came out with a wild yarn of nocturnal cavalry horses in the air between great armies of invisible spectres. Is that from the mound? That is from the mound, given away by the word. The mound, yeah. (laughs)